Hey team, this is Grant David Collins and welcome to Basement Philanthropy, a place for people who do not want to wait until they are rich or retired to create meaning, connection, and impact with their money regardless of the amount. On this episode, we're going to be hearing about the experience of another micro-philanthropist within our community, Alex Pocock. So let's get started. Alex Pocock is one of the most thoughtful individuals I am currently connected with. And I don't just mean that from a giving standpoint. He sees the world through a deep and almost philosophical lens. And so I have been so lucky to have him be a part of the Basement Philanthropy journey almost from the very beginning. I'm so excited for you to be able to hear his personal experience with the subject. But before we dove too deep into that, I had to ask him about something that I have a love-hate relationship with, and that is Star Wars. Alex, I, I know that we have talked a little bit about this off microphone, but I mm-hmm. feel like the people deserve to know your thoughts on Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be a challenge for me to condense this to a <laughs> short uh, opinion. But uh, yeah, let's see. Overall, Star Wars has, for me, it was like the thing growing up as a kid. You know, my dad, it was the biggest movie. I mean, for a lot of our parents, right? Right. The 70s Star Wars was so revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, The prequels, a lot of people hate on the prequels, but I've learned to love and appreciate the prequels, especially episode three. I think overall, like the original saga is like some of the best story of all time. Yeah. Um. And then I, I kind of came into conflict with my opinion about Star Wars is around the time that Disney bought Star Wars. And you and I have talked about this, yes. the sequel trilogy, where, you know, it seemed like Kathleen Kennedy, who's the head of Lucasfilm, basically told J.J. Abrams, hey, you know, go, uh, let's, let's, let's make a movie. Let's remake New Hope, but with a bigger planet and with characters that make no sense. <laughs> and then Ryan, um, Ryan Johnson came in and he's like, you know what, I'm going to flip Star Wars on its head and make it something that is totally not but I'm going to introduce some cool ideas, but that make no sense. The larger story of the Skywalkers, they ruined all of the, our favorite characters. They, they they proceeded to kill off or ruin the character arcs of Luke, Han, Leia, Chewbacca. Chewbacca and C-3PO, who were barely even in the movies. <laughs> they, they ruined Chewbacca and C-3PO, who do not even speak. They don't even speak. And they, and they expect the audience to think, oh, well. Ray and Finn, they're just the best of friends with C-3PO and Chewie. It's like, no, they're not. Uh, they have no t- idea who these people they, are. They, they talk to each other for like 10 minutes of screen time. <laughs> like, there's no relationship here. And then they bring it back Palpatine for episode nine, which made no sense right. at all. It was, right. oh, okay, I, I'm losing myself. But <laughs> long story short, I just think that Star Wars has lost a lot of its, um, a lot of its charm. Yeah. The characters, like no one really resonates with any characters except Obi-Wan which is why the Obi-Wan series, like people wanted to watch it because Ewan McGregor is so popular. Right. But um, even that they ruined. Well, Disney, if you're listening to this podcast about philanthropy, yeah, listen up because <laughs> we've got we've got some words for you. We got more content to say. Like I, I could probably talk. I was trying to be very concise with my Star Wars critique and it probably didn't make sense. But there's more to say about tune, it. Tune in next time when Alex reveals why the Empire was actually right. Oh, they in were Star Wars. I've actually I, I could I could bring my uh, my slideshow next <laughs> time. PowerPoint presentation. My PowerPoint, yeah. Around why the Empire was right. 
So, Alex, as we kind of pull back into one of the reasons that we're here, I we got out of the way the other reason, which was Star Wars. Sure. We needed to talk about it. It needed that. to be said. It needed to be said. Yeah. Uh, I want to take us back in your life a little bit to the way that you remember giving. You know, in my family growing up, giving was, it, it was, it, it was structured as more of an event, I would say. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, during, you know, the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas, it was very common for my family to um, identify a family. I'm not really sure how my parents did this, actually. I should ask them. Yeah. Um, but they would, you know, somehow learn about some family um, in a few towns over that was really in need. So my mom would go out and buy like a full Thanksgiving meal or an array of Christmas presents for a family's kids and a meal, whatever it was. Right. And we would go drop it off. That was kind of my experience from a familial standpoint around giving. Um, and as long as I can remember too, I've always felt this innate draw to just be in the, in the business of giving. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really, I've been a little, and, and still am to be, to be totally frank, a little unfocused about how I can, um, uh, position my giving yeah. to people, but I mostly I've seen it as like a uh, spur of the moment, spontaneous yeah. um, event. Uh, for example, like there was a period of time when I was in college and I, I drove along um, a downtown area quite a bit and there were a lot of homeless people standing there on the streets. So I made a habit of, you know, having an extra sandwich with me or yeah. um, an extra granola bar or something like that, that I would give to people. Um, and uh, I always felt really good about that. Yeah. Do you have any, any any insight into where you feel like that came from or how it got developed maybe? My, my initial reaction to that is probably, I really believe that all human beings have that kind of hardwired into our our being. Hmm. I, I, I really believe that actually. Um, I really think that humans are good by nature and there is this innate drive to help people. Yeah. So... Yeah, I feel like the the interesting thing, and Alex and I actually work together uh, at a company called Nimble. We do. And we are actually over people operations, Mm -hmm. which um, for anybody who's unfamiliar with that term, it's like the human resource equivalent of the modern It's a sexy way of saying HR. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, And what's interesting is that we talk to a lot of different people, and I don't know if you've had this experience as much as I have, Alex, but it's always in the top three reasons why people are working giving yeah. creating good like i don't know if i've met somebody that it hasn't been and yeah that's anecdotal to me like it's not a survey that i've done to the whole united states but and and some of it may be biological as for or or as we've evolved as as a humankind that we've needed to help and and grow and be with others but there's just this 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 part of it that is just outside of you that you just can't really explain mm-hmm. that that I I feel like is a, a, a beautiful thing about giving and uh, something that I'm I'm tapping into every time I'm involved in a conversation about giving or project about giving or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I I'm, I'm able to like reach out into the universe and just grab something and just like put it in me and not that it's like I just give so I can get but it's just like I don't know it's just like inherent in the process almost. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it, it just, it rings true what you're saying to me. And I don't know what biological mechanism really it is that, you know, compels us to, to give in that way. But I, I feel like it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, 
the the great thing about what you're doing is you're 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 helping people to direct that with more intention and more focus. Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of times, for me at least, it's like, you know, I just have a random encounter with somebody right. and have an opportunity to give. But like now, it's 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 positioning itself to be more like, okay, I'm actually gonna be more intentional about money that I set aside on a, on a monthly basis or, or whatever you want to do. Right. Right. And find an opportunity, seek it out, um, to, to fulfill on that like innate human drive that we all have. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with spontaneous giving. No, and no. It's really, yeah, it's really ser- serendipitous. Sure. And there is, there is more that can be done with intentional giving in terms of things that you can think about in terms of impact and, uh, the individual and how to really serve them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's like these two forms of, of philanthropy and we focus so much on the spontaneous side and this other side of philanthropy, which is this more intentional planned methodic type of, of work. It just doesn't get a lot of attention No, and in the ordinary people sphere like it gets a lot of attention in the news when you're talking about you know melinda french gates and the gates foundation those type of things of course they're intentional Mm -hmm. but like if we can get a group of ordinary people being more intentional with their giving i mean it goes from just these random one-offs to just like this beautiful movement and like if you don't think that people can make a difference when they're all moving together like Look at look at U.S. history for the last fifty years, and every change that has been brought brought about has come from people doing just that, moving in one direction. Whatever political affiliation you're part of, you can look back and see that all of those changes have come about by ordinary people realizing they have a voice and acting on it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're what we're working to do with philanthropy. Right? Yeah, that's beautiful. Tell me about the intentional the 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 project that you did that was brought about by you going through the course walk mm-hmm. me through just your thought process as you worked through selecting that project putting aside funds that type of thing mm-hmm. can you just walk me through that sure yeah well so for context um when i first went through the project which was at the beginning of this year i think it was january yeah maybe february i can't right remember around the beginning yep um i was in the process of purchasing a home um, which I ended up doing. Yeah. And so, you know, for me around that time, I was, you know, understandably um, scrounging and scrapping for funds for myself, right? To right. make sure that I um, provided enough cushion for my financial security. Yeah. So for me, you know, it wasn't, the, the project I selected was to tip a waiter. It was your suggestion actually. Yeah. Because it was, it was a small enough amount that it wouldn't like ruin me financially in any way. <laughs> um, but also because of how busy and time consuming everything was with that whole process. Right. I mean, the housing market at the early, earlier this year was absolutely insane. Bonkers crazy. Bonkers crazy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think I went out and saw 15 places, much to the chagrin of my uh, real estate agent. <laughs> I think he was pretty sick of me by the end of it. So anyways, yeah. So for, for, for two reasons, for, for time, time sake, and then for money's sake, you know, I, I realized I couldn't, I, I felt like it wasn't able to maybe put as much intention to it, but I still wanted to complete the project, um, being the first one to go through it. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I ended up doing, um, is I, I, I set a, a rather sizable tip, probably the most I've ever tipped someone. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm generally, I've generally only tipped between five and $10, maybe $10 one other time yeah, before right. that. Like it's just not common for 
most people to do that. Right. So, you know, it felt, it felt really good to, 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 to include a, a size, more sizable tip than I was used to, accustomed to giving. Yeah. And I guess that kind of brings me to now where I'm in a more, more financially stable situation. And I'm thinking about, you know, more ways to, to give, um, an example actually is, so I'm, I'm training for Ragnar right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I think I've told you about this and by the way, I'm woefully underprepared for it. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous because I'm, I'm slated to run about 22 plus miles. The clock is ticking. It is, it is ticking. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, so I've been running, I've been doing, when I do outdoor runs, um, over by where I live, there's a, there's a designated walking running path that yeah. a lot of people use, mm-hmm. but it also is like right next to a very busy road. And I noticed the other day, as there's a lot of trash littered all along the sides of the road. Mm. And, you know, normally, I, well, yeah, I don't think I would have done anything about that or, or wanted to do something about it. But I've been really thinking about it for the last week or so, actually, like, maybe there's something I can do with this here. And mm. what I started, what I've started to do is, you know, at the last five, 10 minutes of my run on my way back to where I live, I'll pick up a couple pieces of trash. Wow. And I thought, okay, well, what can I do? Can I do something more with that? Like, can I go beyond that? And, and that's probably the piece that I would say has been the most, that, that's changed the most for me as I've worked through this yeah. philanthropic side. It's like, you know, first of all, maybe I would have been compelled to pick up trash, but now I'm thinking of, well, could I, could I convert this into something more? Yeah, that's, that's really what I want to dig in with you because your experience is so unique because you're the first one who went through the course about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's not just this thing that you talked about earlier around like recycling. Like you've been involved with a couple other things. And tell me about the connection between those two. Like uh, specifically, I'd love to hear like the learning that you're going through on your end. Like what is it about you putting some money aside to tip a waiter that isn't really that big of a deal. Like it was anonymous. There wasn't like a huge, it wasn't this huge, like I'm going to save the world project, but it, it was something. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that snowballs into you doing these other projects. What's the connection between that? Probably the feeling, the feeling that you get from doing something like mm. that is unparalleled. Mm. Uh, and I, I know you know this, right? Yeah. Like, there's not there there are very few things in the world that you mean few few things you can do that compare in terms of how good of a feeling that is when you are um in in the business of giving um in a very intentional way yeah so for me it was like that feeling is like oh that high you know um not to compare this to like, dr- like right. drugs or anything right. but you know when you when you take uh when you when you take a certain substance it 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 creates a chemical reaction and it, and it also elicits feelings in you. Yeah, right. And that's what draws you to crave it and want it more right. and more and more. And I'm not comparing giving to an addiction necessarily, but if I was, it's a good addiction. It's the best addiction you could ever have. It's the best addiction you yeah. could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'd probably just point to that, like hmm. just chasing that feeling of, you know, how, how good it felt to give. Yeah. And that's kind of where it just kind of snowballs, like you said, and, and wants and, and, and leaves you wanting more. Yeah, because after you got done with that waiter project, you participated in the Basin Philanthropy launch. Mm-hmm. And you talked about a, another project that you were doing in terms of doing a little bit of funding for clean water mm-hmm. in a third world country. Yep. And then you're now you're talking about this recycling and kind of cleaning up a little bit of like your community. Mm-hmm. And what I want people to understand about this process is 
it can seem very, uh, I don't know if the right word is trivial, but inconsequential, that's a better word. It can seem very inconsequential for you to put aside $20 and to do something with it. It's like, okay, yeah, I tipped a waiter more, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you if you spread that out, and Alex is such a perfect example of this, you spread that out and you start to see the learning, the development, the confidence, the desire to have deeper and deeper impact in an area, you start to see why it's such a good analogy for giving um, when you talk about investing in a long-term stock market asset like you invest today and in the future it becomes this incredible thing that just compounds over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happens when people start getting involved with giving and so it might seem like oh yeah this this thing that i'm getting involved with me putting aside money is inconsequential it's just not by any means because of that effect like i i hope that i'm around in 20 years and that we can jump back on a podcast or a phone call or whatever we're doing at that point. And like, I want to, I want to see, yeah, where has this, where's this, where's this gotten you in your life? What have you been able to do with it? What's changed because of that? And just from what I know about you, cause I just know you a little bit better than the audience will. Like I see that being a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that may be uh, thinking about getting involved uh, in seeing their money as something that can create good in their local sphere of influence, uh, but isn't for one reason or another. Like what, what advice would you give them? Yeah, well, something you touched on just barely kind of connects to this idea I think I'm gonna try to speak into is a lot of times we see and, and, and social media is kind of the big culprit of this. Yeah. We see these people who seemingly are well-established. They have all the knowledge that we would like to have. And it, and it feels so far out of reach. Like we could never get to that point. It just seems so impossible to think that we could we could get there. And that just kind of, that pumps the brakes on any action. It mm. leads to inaction a yeah. lot of times. And I know it has for me right. um, in a lot of domains in life. So what I would say is, Instead of thinking about, you know, how you can impact uh, somebody that you don't know, pick one person in your life, and you may know thirty people. Yeah. Don't don't even look at all thirty people. Just just focus on one person, and see if you can find an opportunity to be intentional about giving in some way. Yeah. And that might require you know you to have some some deeper conversation than you're used to. And that's okay, right? Because you're developing a deeper relationship with someone that you care about. Yeah, right. So good like side effect. Yeah, good side <laughs> effect. So it's a win-win, really. Um, yeah, and d- just don't don't look at it as something so out of reach because there's just so many options. Like, pick one option. Yeah. And don't worry about that. It's just one option. And don't worry that you might feel that it's inconsequential because it isn't. It's absolutely not because you're impacting one person's life in a positive way. And that's the whole idea with microphilanthropy because it's micro, right? Right. It's inherent in in the whole space of microphilanthropy is to touch people within your sphere of influence. That's right. And that starts with one person. And if you can't, and if and if and if you get used to helping one person, then you can go to two, go to three, yeah. go to more as you get more and more comfortable and accustomed to to giving. So that probably, that's probably what I would say. Yeah, I love that. It's where it's it's that 
spectrum that microphilanthropy transitions into macro philanthropy as you yeah. continue to grow and and build a, a skill set. Well, Alex, this is this has been this has been a good time. Yeah, and I appreciate <laughs> uh, you coming down into the, into the basement and just your continual not only support of what we're doing but just the action that you're taking around your life it's it's just a it's a privilege to be able to talk with you about something that i'm so involved with and the support that you've given on your end like it's just it's been really really helped and impacted me so i just appreciate what you've done in that in that yeah. area well, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm glad you feel that way, and I feel the exact same way to you because you've helped me be way more intentional and yeah. aware, like I spoke into a little bit earlier. So, like for that, like, I couldn't thank you enough for letting me be involved and being the first person to go through your course. I mean, what an honor! Dude. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> well, well, if you haven't gone through the course yet, uh, it's in the podcast description, in the video description. Uh, so go and check out it's free 40 minutes. It's super easy to go through. Yeah. It doesn't take that much time mm -hmm. and uh, it can create a, a big impact like what Alex has demonstrated today. Yeah. Well, team, that's it for me. Let's go out into the world and create good with the money in our pockets together. Talk soon.